I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Breakfast Free Circus. My name's Cliff Yes. And uh, hello, and, and I'm Lord Summersby. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, nice to have you with us, Lord. Uh, Thanks. How are you doing this week? It's nice to be here. Good. I'm doing all right this week. Yeah. Busy week yeah. at work? How's busy, the... Always busy week at work, but I've got no complaints. Don't think the Queen's... What? Listen, <laughs> I think it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> remember last week I told you I had a sore gum and I felt like I had a lisp? Because yes, I, I remember that. Yes, the sore gum's gone, but I'm still paranoid that I have. You this, have the lisp. I think I've I've grown a fat tongue, <laughs> <laughs> which which could happen, I guess. Nobody Couldn't said it? they can hear it, but I can feel I can feel it happening, and uh, it's obviously right. well, mustn't be massively uh, audible to people, but um, uh, it's concerning. I'm on a way of the lisp. I'm sorry, I think if you've got your hypochondriac, aren't you? <laughs> That's the thing. That. Well, think not, not only that, very, various ailments. What's the other things? Up. I never make anything. Loads of stuff, man. Loads of stuff. You bloody hypochondriac, you. Okay, whatever. I, do, I, I disagree. Okay, whatever. Is <laughs> <laughs> that what you say to your doctor? <laughs> okay, whatever. I disagree, but whatever. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. Don't even get to a sensitive report. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Your tongue's normal, whatever. It's a normal tongue, man. It's not twice the size. What are you talking about? You haven't even got a lisp. I can feel something different going on. What, in anyway. your mouth? Mm-hmm. Can't explain it. Well, that's, that's just terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Hey, the, the band last night was watching the match. I don't know why, because it was the mugs, but still. And he, he called us in and went, oh, Dad, someone's tied themselves to the goalposts. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I saw your tweet. That did quite well, so well done. Um, <laughs> but I also saw a, a clip from, like, a newspaper story or online, and uh-huh. it said, uh, Everton-Newcastle game halted as man ties himself Ties his neck to the goalpost. And then... Ties his neck. How did he manage to do that <laughs> anyway? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty difficult, that, isn't it? Um, Zip tied his own neck. Then, <laughs> there's some head I'm not tying my arm. On my hand. Yeah, got the neck. yeah. It's not dangerous, no. There's, there's some head and said, uh, 
it, it thought it was part of some form of protest. I was like, it's thought. What else would it be? <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on? I just here? thought you did that on the 65th minute of a football match. The first time, <laughs> the first time I've been. <laughs> uh, and then so I think some poor, uh, the poor man. I mean, he's he's you know attached himself to the the, the goals and that, and then he's he's freed. You know, it might have been an accident. He might have just stumbled into the goalpost. And then someone lamped him, didn't they? Oh, did they? I didn't see that. Someone ran on the pitch and lamped him afterwards. What a terrible day that was. What a great, what a great response to that happening. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being so annoyed that someone's tied themselves to the lamp. I'm going to lamp him. He's I'll not going to get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how the, the beautiful game's meant watching. to happen. <laughs> well, he, hey Cliff do you want to hear a quote from um, Clough Clough okay Clough yes it's about Teddy Sheringham says he came walking down the corridor and says ah you must be Edward Sheringham I told him I was but I prefer to be called Teddy he said okay welcome to the club Edward <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't having it. <laughs> Proper shit house. <laughs> yeah, I there you him. go. I love him. Uh, mm-hmm. There was something else I was going to ask you, but um, mm-hmm. did we talk about the loofah last week? <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I got a message off me mate. Um, <laughs> I got a message off me mate Shane because he was listening to the podcast and. Uh, he, he sort of know, knew that was my birthday because you said, and he, he sent us, I apologise this day because he said, happy birthday. I was listening to your Love Joy podcast, looking for some cleaning and personal bathing tips, <laughs> and Cliff mentioned it was your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Shane. <laughs> yeah, good on you, Shane. Pass. <laughs> I've been listening to a podcast no, I haven't. It's not a podcast. It's a lecture Ooh. on the rise and fall of the British Empire. It's on for eight hours. What do you think of that? The main reason I'm listening to it is the man on it is the greatest man in the world, and he sounds like Alan Partridge. But let's see what he says. I don't know what he's going to say, because um, I've list- listened to six hours, 25 minutes. Oh, you know, at the end, the Empire's about yeah, to crash down. This is only part one. <laughs> It's only huh. part one. Okay, the, good time. Uh, the boom time. Th- <laughs> <laughs> the boom times. And there's three hours, seven minutes left. So let, let's hear what he says. 1864. And this had the effect of further weakening the power of the Manchu emperors. The Taipings were the Society of God Worshippers. And they believed in a, a variant of Christianity. Their leader, Ho Tsai Quick Quan, They'd been educated by American missionaries. A man named Edwin Stevens had taught him, one of the many Christian evangelists who were beginning to penetrate China in the hope that they could preach the, the gospel of Christ to the people of China. Oh, wow. Quite- what well, do you think of him? He really does sound like Al Farage. <laughs> he really does, doesn't he? <laughs> I love him, mate. He's top notch. What, what is it? I don't know the man's name, actually. I, I don't know his name. And fall. It's... It, of the British Empire, right? And it's a uh, TGC. 
which must stand for something, but I don't know what. So uh, there you go. TGC. But it, TGC. To be continued, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it I, I was listening to the, the wife, actually, and uh, it, it's disgusting, obviously, the stuff that they that did and stuff. Absolutely I, hideous. I'd love to know which version, because there's, there's obviously various books called that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think there's a thing called The Great Courses. Yes, that's it. Intellectual right. narrated by Patrick N. Allett, who's also right. done he's done many of these things. So has he? You're well, in for a treat. You're in for an absolute <laughs> treat. It's like a, a never-ending list. Or no, eleven results. History of the United States. What? The American West. By him. Yeah. No. All read by him. The Industrial Revolution, the American Identity, Victorian Britain. That'll be a good one, won't it? Get on Victorian Britain mm-hmm. next. 18 hours, that one is. 18 hours. American Religious History. Mm-hmm. Here's one for you. America after the Cold War. You'll be like you'll like that one. Yeah. Well, I think Do you see, you see something else funny. Let's have a little <laughs> I bit don't more. know what he said. I was just laughing at his voice. Declared as he was the younger brother. Of Jesus Christ. He outlawed all religions except his own brand of Christianity. He outlawed the foot binding of women, then a, a Chinese custom. And he began a, a policy of land redistribution. Later on, incidentally, in the 20th century, uh, Mao Zedong, who, who, who led the Chinese revolution of the 1940s, regarded him as a heroic predecessor. He saw in him a sort of uh, proto-communism. <laughs> okay, well, first, well, the Taipings were yeah, he keeps going. It's on for another Can, three uh, hours. Maybe we should just play that next to the microphone. And <laughs> I think just we should. should we? We'll just go. <laughs> that man's a lot funnier than us, isn't he? He's a lot more interesting. Well, why don't we talk about Jesus Christ, funny... brother? <laughs> he declared himself Jesus Christ, brother. Um, <laughs> why? It's <laughs> all <laughs> The first, first of all, <laughs> oh, we do anything else. I am mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, for younger younger brother. <laughs> younger brother. Yeah, you don't want to be the other one, do you? Um, That'll get you into all kinds of so, scripts. What, uh, what are we talking about this week, Brent? We've talked enough crap now. Well, have we? well this week we're going to uh, talk about with Noel and I, mm-hmm. with Neil and I, because uh, I wanted to watch it again. And okay. I wasn't sure whether you'd seen it before or anything like that. But I'd seen it a couple of times and always really enjoyed it and stuff so want to watch it again obviously there's the handmade films connection as well mm-hmm. like we were talking about the george harrison so we want to do a handmade films one as well because that's yep. made by handmade films yes so yes the 1987 it. 1987 film by bruce robinson uh starring richard e grant yes indeed his second ever film the best McGann, Paul McGann, I think it's uh, Richard E. Grant's first film, actually. I don't know. I don't think it's his second one. I think well, it's his first. I thought he was in something else before. Never mind. Yeah. Um, Never mind. Richard Griffiths as Uncle Monty. Uh, Michael Elphick. Yes. Boone, as we know him better, um, is in there as an, <laughs> as an eel smuggler. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ralph Brown. Ralph Brown. Yes. They're uh-huh. the main people That's in it, aren't right. they? Uh-huh. Um, there's not a lot, lot of people in it, is there? Yeah, no, that's there's about it. Um, mm-hmm. And then other various characters in pubs and cafes and things like that, but it's just extras. 
Um, so it's set in yeah. 1969, and it's the tale of two struggling actors, mainly struggling mm -hmm. because their lives are basically daily journeys into oblivion through too much drinking drugs. Um, and it just tells the story of them who decide they need to get away from it all and go to the country for a weekend to try and rejuvenate themselves and recharge. Uh -huh. But they just end up in worse situation and they come back to London after that. And that's about it. That's, that's it. That's it. That, I mean, <laughs> the plot is not much of a plot, which I, I like about the film. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's not what it's really about, is it? No, it it is about the end of the 60s and stuff, isn't it? About the end of an era and, and things, which uh, I mentioned near the end. Um, but it, it's mainly about like the relationship between these two people, isn't it? With Null yeah. and I, mm -hmm. who's actually called uh, Marwood. And people found that out because there's a telegram that comes sort of later on in the film. And that's the name on the telegram. Yeah, apparently in the screenplay, if you see the screenplay, it's called that. Yeah, he's got that as well. Um, ah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, when did you first see it then, Brad? Can you remember? Yes, I, I would have saw it when I was about 14 or 15, I think. Um, okay. You know, getting towards have, that age. I would have had no idea what to make of it at that age. <laughs> well, I really I really liked it. Like I say, I, I've, I've watched it sort of... I'd say I watch it every couple of years with okay. all I, um But, yeah, I, I watched it. It was probably on Channel 4. Do you yep. know what I mean? One of yep. those seasons of British films and stuff like yep. that. And I would have caught it then. Um, and like I say, really enjoyed it and stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of sort of similarities with Fear and Loathing, isn't it? Like that came a little bit. I know the book was before this, but uh, the film later on, I mean, even even the art and stuff yeah, like well, that is, the, is by the, Ralph Steadman, the, isn't it? The main link is, or there is an actual tangible link, which is at the art. Is mm -hmm. done by the same guy, Ralph Steadman, British guy. Um, so that's recognizable. But yeah, I've never thought about how the story or the people's journeys is uh, is similar to that. But it is really it is similar. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's it, in any way it, it's been sort of copied off that or anything because it's like no, a, so. a semi autobiographical sort of thing mm -hmm. from Bruce Robinson, isn't it? It's about his life. Really, yeah. he had he was a a struggling actor, sort of growing up and and things and uh, he was living in Camden with a guy called Vivian who, who was with Null in this mm -hmm. film and he was he, I watched a, an interview with him where he, he says he would just you'd have one light bulb and just sort of take the light bulb in and whichever room he was going <laughs> into <laughs> you just carry that light bulb around with him and then he would sit in, in front of the uh, in front of the oven for heat and, and stuff like that so Pretty grim existence it, isn't it yeah, I mean, you'd think of the 60s of, as like party central type shit, don't you? It's very gritty and, and realistic, this I, film. I think that's a sense of realism, isn't it? I think the first time I saw it, which would have been at university, I would have got the VHS when I was at uni, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's very much a student favorite film, presumably because of the shit digs. The amount of alcohol yeah. that gets drunk, and I think there's drinking games that goes along with like, can you keep up with what they're drinking and stuff like that? Uh, Which and I don't all... think anybody can. <laughs> no, and don't try and drink the same things as them. <laughs> oh like... well, that's it. <laughs> Once we get onto the lighter fluid, that um, is a little bit going too far. And the other thing is that most people think about it um, are the there's some very memorable one-liners from from the characters, mainly from Richard E. Grant's Withnell. Um, who is one of the most 
unhinged characters in film history, I think, and played yeah. absolutely amazingly by Richard E. Grant. The comedies, uh, this might sound a bit poncy, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think the comedy and the, the way that it's written and stuff like that, it's like poetry, isn't it? Funny poetry. That's th- what it's like to me. I think for me, it's the the lines that get shouted out in student like bars and stuff like that. Are, they're mint. I love them because they they're are great. Funny. They are great, yeah. but but watching it back, that's not really the point of the film. I think. I think you have to watch it a couple of times or watch it again when you're a bit older. Um, so not only is this yeah. the end of the 60s, it's so the end of an era. And also it's the end of an era that looks like nothing like it is in every other film. It's not psychedelic and lots of bright colours. This is uh-huh. the yellowest, like, damp-looking film I've ever seen in my entire life. There's, like, no yeah. colour in it at all. Mm. It's all washed out. They live in a dark, horrible flat. Mm-hmm. They go on the countryside where it's all muddy and raining and it's dark <laughs> and they go and have any yeah. lights and stuff like that. And they're in old school pubs, which at the time were just empty brown rooms. <laughs> like there's no decoration yeah, and the, stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's, it's like when they go into that pub, do you know what I mean? They're the only they're the only 60s looking people, yeah. the rest are uh, are like from the forties, no wonder they stick out like a, a sore thumb. And the, and the only because his like... thumbs are gone weird or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they don't. But they're not wearing bright like their clothing. They're just no, they're like not. dandies, really, don't they? They've but got they also like. It's that? because Paul McCann's great hair, I think, <clears throat> isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. But what I was going to say when, when he walks past him, he, he's having like another panic attack because yeah. his bloke shouted at him as he walks past, and he's reading the stuff on the wall with his I fuck asses or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and he's, in his head, he's going, who fucks asses? Is it him? Has he wrote this in a moment of sincerity, of drunken sincerity? <laughs> I think it was, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> There's those little bits that are... And he that thinks he's going to get them. Yeah. He's like, does he fuck us? <laughs> <laughs> Can you, like, try to shuffle past him really quickly, even though there's, like, no yeah. one else in the pub? And he's sitting right uh, next to the door of the toilet when he comes out. And he, yeah. But he follows him. And, and I mean, we go. before all this, we've had, you know, the, the bit where McGann comes in in a panic and stuff like that. His intentions are on a talk with with, uh, with Nell about his problems in depth yeah. when he's in that cafe. Yeah. And then he just bursts into the... Uh, he thinks he's going to die. His thumbs have gone weird and stuff. <laughs> what? Is that good? Maybe I'm 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 an <laughs> and then they say they move into like the, the kid don't clean the kitchen don't go in there there's that someone alive so in there so funny where he's like yeah well maybe you should fucking clean the kitchen every now and then and with Noel's like okay I'll, I'll fucking do it then he's like no no uh, yeah. don't do it don't do it again. <laughs> there's something alive in there <laughs> don't attempt anything without the gloves <laughs> but what's I think- that like, it's uh, matter. Where's it coming from? <laughs> I think there's all of that is funny, and you know they're the easy bits to kind of remember and stick out. But like I say, I think it's the other bits that, or the the underlying point of this story is, it's the end of an era. They haven't made mm-hmm. it as successful actors. They haven't made it as successful people. He says they're also about to turn thirty, so. You know that it's a watershed moment in people's lives. They're not successful. They're 
fairly livid. Um, they drink and take drugs all the time, but it, got, it definitely isn't a nice situation that they're in. It's not making them happier. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. I, so I, I think now what Robinson it, said that. Yeah. He said that in an interview. I was, I was, uh, I was, you know, watching. He says it was like the worst time of his life and stuff. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He, he had nothing. He just, he, he, he went into a room and that, and he just like was praying to God or whatever to, to turn his life around, and then he started laughing at the ridiculous situation that he was in, and that's why he wrote the script. Okay, and then there's like Withnell often breaks out into uncontrollable hysteric laughter as well, which is really disconcerting. <laughs> Um, well, especially at the end when he's stolen in that, that, that yeah. that's definitely what happens with the Campbellwell character, isn't it? So what happens in the film on. is they have this, they have the, the kitchens can't get cleaned. He starts drinking lighter fluid, and apparently that really happened as well. And he's he's made Vivian went yeah. blind for three days. Um, that's right. I... In this, he just starts laughing, collapses, and then throws up on. On uh, Marwood, Marwood is his name. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, on Marwood shoes, and that's when. They and then they the go to the pub, don't they? And they go to the pub, aye. And they, but they're, obviously they're living in the skull and stuff, and they they decide that the best thing to do is is to get out of London for a bit mm-hmm. and go to the country, yeah. and that's why they and, they meet Monty, don't yeah. they? And with Nils, rich uncle Monty is the guy who has a place mm-hmm. in the like countryside in the Lake District or something like that, where they go. Uh, they set off in their car. But before yeah. that, we meet Danny, don't we? Before they go, yes, yes, we, we do meet Danny. Uh, who, who was great, I think, it isn't it? You always remember Danny. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's all, all, all as well as that. He's, he's also in, integral of the underlying part of the story about the end of the sixties and stuff, especially at the end of the film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's got a big long speech about Hemi yeah. Wibbs and Woolworths yeah. and stuff like so that. So he's the he's a dealer. He's very much a, a hippie, far out man, and he's still uh-huh. he's got various conspiracy theories, like people who take a lot, <laughs> a lot of drugs tend to have. Um, very good the, the one. About hair. <laughs> Don't get a haircut, man. Or hairdressers that are in the employ of the British government. <laughs> He's got a comedy uh, speech impediment as well, which adds, yeah. adds to it. Um, I love that guy. Actually, he's a, he's been in hundreds of things. Normally, yeah, like, pretty much every decent TV show that's ever been made, he's been in it for an episode or two. Um, uh-huh. And he plays various from like totally menacing roles to to everything. Um, but in this, he's like he's comedy for. The fact that he's obviously on another planet, um, yeah. But then, I mean, uh, brings back he's, down he's the a bump at the end, isn't he? He's unrecognizable now because he's got no hair, hasn't he? Yeah, he's completely bald. So I, I think the last sort of time that I remember him was, I'm sure he was in Star Wars. He's in uh, I'm Force sure. Awakens, I think. I think it was uh, before that. I think it's the Phantom Menace and stuff. The, oh no, like, maybe the it's that one. Yeah, I think he's in the first one. Sorry. Yeah, so he's definitely in, in them. But, I mean, he, he's just brilliant, isn't he, in, in this film? That's yeah. the good thing about this film, right? I know Richard E. Grant's absolutely wonderful, but I think everybody in this film is. I think Paul McGann's in it as well. Paul McGann's great I because think... he plays this character that he's... They're both great characters because they're not... And, and great at acting them because they're not over the top. These could be stupid characters. They could yeah. play it to real extremes. They could be caricatures, but they're not. And they're even not, though they're like, like 
kind of horrible, but they're not horrible, but they're not sympathetic. Like with no, they're not horrible. Well. I mean, in, in your life, I'm, in my life, sure, for sure, I've I've met people very similar to to sort of Withmill and mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think that there could be a possibility that I could have been very much like them at a certain point in my life. Would Which you say that would that would be, be true? <laughs> <laughs> I think probably just a mix of the both of them. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because yeah. it, it's it's a very familiar thing. If, if anybody's been at a party where people have been off their tits or whatever, the, the conversation is very much like that. The conversation in this film throughout, you know what I mean? Because they are off the tits mm. or they're pissed or whatever. So I think you've got to, it's familiar. You've got to listen really closely at the dialogue in this because there's not a lot mm. of action. And it's not other than the odd moment where Withnil like shouts something. It's all quite understated and you've got to really concentrate on what they're saying. And there's real beauty, uh-huh. like you're saying, in the dialogue. And it's not mm-hmm. just those big, like, re- memorable lines that people remember. The, throughout the entire the thing, throughout the uh-huh. entire thing, the script is just it's so poignant. The script's amazing, and, isn't it? And I think yeah. that's the thing. It's people. It's a comedy, I suppose. People think it's funny, and it is in bits. But for me, it's a really, it's sad. It's a really sad story. Well, yeah, it's it's got everything though, hasn't it? It's it, it's got it has got a sadness to it for sure. The music's great, like it's Jimi Hendrix and there's Beatles mm-hmm. in there and stuff like that. And also the music sounds great because it sounds like it's being played on records or on yeah. a car radio while I drive and it doesn't sound mm-hmm. pristine. It's obviously not a digital MP3 version of these songs. It's the real thing. The um, actual songs, yeah. And I, and I think it's great. I mean, it, it, it's wonderful, the things that they get. Well, I mean, that, the, the bit in the cafe and stuff when they... They go to the cafe and they're, they're saying, we are multi-millionaires and stuff. I demand, <laughs> I bring me the finest wine. I yeah, it. The, the finest wines known to humanity. <laughs> bring it now. But Bring it now. But there's just wonderful, absolutely, it would be remiss not to mention some of the lines because, like, they are really quotable and stuff. Yeah. But that... That that's so good. The the script is just so wonderful. I mean, there's the the scrubbers bit where he's, he's shouting scrubbers so at the scrubbers. <laughs> <laughs> just at, randomly at the school young, girls. Young girls coming out. Of yeah, <laughs> he's horrible. Isn't he? Why is he, he angry? Is, at everyone? Like, I don't know. And then straight after the scrubbers bit, they're, they're they're like driving in the car, and he he says to him. At some point, I want to get a hold of the child. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, what, what do you want to get a hold of a child for? From some unadulterated piss. Because <laughs> he's got this plan that if he gets pulled over yeah. driving, that if he's got kids piss or whatever, he's got this contraption that uh, Danny's made from, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just wonderful. <laughs> when this, they actually get to the farmer and stuff, and he's saying, are you the farmer? And then there's the famous, we've come on holiday by mistake. Yeah. And Paul McGann goes, of course he's the fucking farmer. Yeah. Stop, Shout at stop these, saying these, that. <laughs> are you the farmer driving a tractor? And he's, he's like furious <laughs> with him. <laughs> I just love, love it. I, I love it how they're, they're both like so natural together. I mean, it, 
Richard A. Grant is brilliant at acting drunk, isn't he? Even yeah. though he doesn't drink and stuff, he's still yeah. allergic to alcohol, isn't he? Uh-huh. But he's just so good. At, he's so good at it. He's like the the way that when you're pissed, right, and you're going out in normal society or whatever, you've got to pretend that you're normal. Yeah. And that's what he's doing, isn't yeah. he? And, he's and that makes it worse, obviously. Look because yeah, no. it looks like he hasn't been washed in about a year. Where, as well, uh-huh. uh, there's a great line where he goes, I'm se- I think it's seven weeks. I'm seven weeks away from being 30. And my shoe has got a flap. He's gluing his shoe when they go to see Uncle Monty and stuff, isn't he? He's I've got a flapping shoe. <laughs> <laughs> He's even at uh-huh. a place in London and the places that go know, to London because yeah. they can't afford yeah. to go anywhere nice and do anything nice because they don't have mm-hmm. any money. So they have mm-hmm. to go to like not down and out places, but bang average places. But he his anger at the world clearly stems from the fact that he thought he would have made it and he would and maybe yeah. that he's older living and he can't understand yes. why. He's in this situation. I mean, he's in this situation because yeah. he's incredibly <laughs> self-destructive and mm-hmm. drinks like a fuel. Like he's not caught <laughs> it's his own making. It's not it anybody is. else's fault. <laughs> uh-huh. Because he's he's always on the phone to his agent and stuff like that and, <laughs> and saying, like, why haven't you getting us this job? Why haven't you getting us this job and stuff? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he very much sort of expects the world to come to him type thing, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Whereas Paul McGann's character is different to that, isn't he? He's no, he's a little bit more level-headed, he is, although they're both off the heads. I think you can tell with him, like, there's moments of clarity and self-reflection, and I think that's the difference. And his panic yeah. attacks and his anxiety stems from that because he's obviously more mm-hmm. rooted in reality. Uh, but he's also the guy that if, if what, if, <laughs> you know, like you say, when you're pissed and you're trying to be uh, you try to normal. act normal, like he's uh-huh. the one that you would send into the shop or into, you know, if a policeman came over to talk to you, you'd but you certainly wouldn't guy. send fucking with them, <laughs> would you? Exactly, that's what I mean. So, you know, he has yeah. the more like kind of level headedness, even though uh-huh. he's also on a, a daily bender. Like, he's not uh-huh. like he's not doing that. He's just, no, he's still doing he it. He just is a bit more attached to reality. He, he, he's more no functional, surprise. isn't he? Yeah, and it's no he's surprise at that the end. If it came down to it, and he had to go for a uh, for a um, audition, audition, he mm. would be able to pull himself together enough to do it and get the job. And I think Definitely that's I. the difference. The end, which is why I think it's really kind of poignant and a bit sad. Mm-hmm. They have this long speech from Danny about the end of the sixties and the hippie dreams dying, and uh, you know, it's you're selling hippie wigs at Woolworths, man. And all of this kind of stuff. So you've got that coming from him, which is really important for the the kind of overall idea of the of the film. But then you've got uh, you've got those two. The now the roles are kind of really defined. So he comes mm. in and he's like, "Yeah, I got the I got the job, but not what the not the one I went for. I've got the lead." And Withnell's like, "Oh, congratulations, old chap." And he's like, well done, isn't he? He just, and he means he says it. it like, he means it. I'm I don't sure. know if he does mean it. I think he's saying it. There's a certain way that he says it, which is a, it's almost 
is is if he resents it. And I think he does, but I think he yeah, does and I, he doesn't because uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a bit of both, isn't it? Um, I think it's in the line delivery way Richard E. Grant says, "Well done." I think done. it's in his face as well. Like he's, he's mm. he he looks. I'll have to say, "Well done" here, but in reality, what I want to do is because he knows what I'm going to do now. That, yeah, he's he's going to be on his own now, isn't and that's he? That's what happens at have. the end. You uh-huh. see, you see, Marwood. He's had his hair cut. He's clean shaven. He's smart. He's like moving out of the flat. He's off to do his new good job, and uh, with no work, doesn't want to let that to end. He's like, I'll oh, just stay and have this bottle of Chateau Margot from that the Nick. Yeah, and, and why would you? Why would you? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I, I've got to go. And he's like, well, we can drink it on the way. Let me come with you. And he just wants yeah. to keep this going and prolonging it. Or uh-huh. maybe wants to stop him from doing it and go, all right, if we get to pit, then I can stop uh-huh. him from going and like, you know, you can stay here with me forever. Um, but then when they're walking along and he finally says his goodbye, like Richard E. Grant with Nell's face is he's devastated. Uh, he's, he's crying he anyhow. He's, he's crying. Yeah. And he's got certain I mean, tears in his eyes. And then the other thing. The other thing is, is that as an audience as well, I mean, we've been on this journey with these two characters for an hour and 20 minutes or whatever. And they're so funny together. And, you know, the, the things that they're, they're talking about are so funny. You, you you feel like that, don't you? You don't actually want the relationship to of end. Of course, yeah. And you know it you is. Know what like, I mean? that's the thing. That it, but it's so it's destructive not... that it's got an end at some point. They can't, there's, there's no end game, is there? Do you know? They can't keep going because they're, they're, they're destroying their own lives by behaving in this way, despite the fact it's the funniest thing ever. There you go. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. I think the end, the very end of it, like we were saying before, um, this, the real twist of the knife is that once I. Paul McGann has, has gone on his way. Richard E. Grant slumps over a railing and delivers the Shakespeare soliloquy that uh-huh. is perfect. And you think yeah. you probably are the better actor. You probably yeah. should have been famous and should be getting roles. Mm-hmm. And it's even more tragic that you're not because <laughs> you live in this life. And uh-huh. you've just shown that you can do it when there's no one there to see it. Or right. No and, audience and then, apart from the waltz. Yeah, and then that's the end of it, isn't it? And um, mm-hmm. then the credits roll, and obviously there's some familiar names in the credits. There is indeed. Richard Mr. Starkey. George Harrison, obviously. Richard Starkey. I didn't say Richard Starkey. Richard Starkey, Starkey MBE. It says, like, special thanks. This film would not be made without... It's like special advice or something from Richard Stark, the MBE. <laughs> Just about how to get pissed. How to pissed. <laughs> it must have been that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say I didn't say I that. Also I also saw, and this might be a different guy, and presumably it is, uh-huh. but it says makeup, Peter Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> so unless he, had little, unless he had little detours of makeup artists, I and think that's might, definitely that Peter, you think it's Peter Frampton. Because he, he would have known. It's got to right? be, it? He would have known. <laughs> of course he would have. Okay, can he come in and do the makeup? They've obviously, he's obviously done Uncle, Uncle Monty's makeup when he tries <laughs> to cost yeah, eye. He, dresses, he has a little bit of makeup on. Looks more feminine. So when when you text me, you said Uncle Monty is classed, didn't you? Yeah. So 
what, what do you think of Uncle Monty then? Because he's a he is a very funny character, but there's a moment where he completely switches and he's the most horrible, detestable man. Yeah, I mean, it's that on, bit, on he turn, turns horrible, but when he first appears, he's so yeah. funny, and he's this he, kind of pompous country gent. But again, mm-hmm. he's probably one of those like posh rich people that I mean, obviously this cottage is a mess. So yeah, I think he's one of those Irish people that's also scruffy. Um, but but just, like... just one thing there, Cliff. When they're in the cottage and stuff, and when they first arrive, it does seem to be an absolute mess, right? Yeah. But when Monty turns up, it somehow lightens and, and yeah, yeah. sort of gets back. better, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It does. So it's like they don't know how to look after themselves yeah. at all. Yeah. Regardless as to where they are. And then when Monty does turn up, suddenly it looks it looks a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Weird that. I mean, that's um, definitely not by accident, is it? But it's no, no, definitely not. Um, but I think it's a bit at the beginning when they first go and see him and they're in his house, mm-hmm. and he just says, "Do you like vegetables?" <laughs> he goes on this like mad rant about how vegetables are more interesting than flowers. And if you have a look yeah. around, he's got like. He's got like vegetables in pot, pot, plant pots, like he would have flour. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a cauliflower in a plant pot. <laughs> he is. He's talking about the strength of the carrot and stuff like that, isn't he? <laughs> but he's, he, I think do he you said, grow? I find, I, find a, I find a carrot much, much more interesting than a hyacinth. <laughs> <laughs> do you grow? Or geranium. It might be geranium, he says. It's geranium, yeah. I, I, I grow geraniums. <laughs> They're treacherous, or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But there's there's another bit where uh, Monty's arrived and stuff like that. He's he's given them a pair of blues, hasn't he? What is that? Is that a tenner? It'd be old money, wouldn't it? It would be before before decimal. I didn't have what that was. Yeah. So he's he's given them money, they'll go off and get pissed and stuff like that anyway. But they have a a big dinner. And Monty has got it in his head. That they sort of eyes, sort of, he's given him the cold shoulder to with yeah. or whatever, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And, and this is when he's starting to become like more and more lecherous. I mean, I is already frightened of him anyway, because you know his straight way of what he's what he's like, yeah. doesn't he? He's a lunatic. Yeah. But he goes into the kitchen while he's he's sort of preparing the meat or whatever, and he goes, Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I'm preparing myself to forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of the lines from uh, Griffiths like are absolutely class, aren't they? The way yeah. he does it and stuff, unbelievable. Yeah, he's it's again another complex character because you do find him funny, but he's also not very nice. Uh, and he's allowed he's definitely he's, not nice. He's allowed them to go to his cottage so he can turn up and have sex with one of them. It's the real reason yeah. that's happened. Well, that's it. I mean, the bit where he comes in with the makeup on, he's going, I know you're not a sleep boy. That's <laughs> oh. horrible. It's yes. just awful, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh absolutely horrible. He gets quite violent. But um, yeah, that's still and I it's very, a, it's very, a, very violent. It's a cult classic. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit, it's got more to it than I think the casual watch or you appreciate when you first watch it. Or the, the student reputation of it is doesn't tell the whole story. Um, some great performances, great writing from Bruce Robinson. Um, 
and from a small cast and what I imagine was a small budget, uh, it's just it encapsulates, it, it tells you an entire world and, and story, and you you straight into their world and get taken along for this horrible, crazy, funny, poignant, sad. It's- it's, meant, it's it's one of the best British films ever made. Have a, you have Michael. an eel in your trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the poacher? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of the best British films ever made. It's just wonderful, and it's it's just a a gem, and you can watch it kind of over and over again because you miss things and stuff like that and because the script is so good it's got to be one of the best scripts ever written comedy scripts ever written i think yeah i think so it's gotta be it's gotta be it's just so wonderful and if anybody hasn't seen it we'll probably spoil it for you but just try and watch it anyway (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think we have i don't think we have because that, that that is true because we couldn't do it justice just by talking about it Nah, no way no way because the plot is very simple, isn't it? You're not going to spoil the plot. You no, it's it more about the emotions and the and the, the script, I think. So uh, that was with Neil and I, 987 by Bruce Robinson. Great stuff. You have a quiz, young man? Yeah, I've, I've got a boy. I've got a quiz boy. And okay. it, it's probably shit. I think it's shit. Okay, well. I'll announce that straight okay. off. Lowering the expectations. Low on the expectations. Well, it's it's a true truthful comment. It's probably a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. Question number one. Paul McGann, the great Paul McGann, who I love. And by the way, why hasn't anybody tagged Paul McGann for a John Lennon biopic? I mean, the, 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 it must the time must have gone now. Does he not play him in anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's he's from Liverpool. Right, he he got he actually got sacked twice by Bruce Robinson because he couldn't lose his Liverpool Liverpoolian accent in this film, so he got sacked. So why why hasn't Paul McGann played John Lennon? I don't get that. He looks like John Lennon. But his brothers played him. But his brothers played him. Mark McGann. When? In what? For over thirty years. He's played him for over 30 Just years. Just lived his life, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Jesus. See it, I but shows. Paul McGann hasn't. Theatre shows. So now that I've seen it. But, it, I mean, Paul McGann should be... I mean, he, he could still do it now. I'm sure Paul McGann's been offered jobs to play Paul, uh, Paul Lennon. To play John Lennon, hasn't he? And he's just... He's probably turned them down. I mean, when was when was Backbeat? 80s, wasn't it? Was it the 80s or was it early 90s Backbeat? Um, Regardless. 1990, I know Ian Hart's I brilliant in yeah. Ian Hart's played John Lennon about nine times. Yeah, I know Ian Hart's class in that film, right? He's, he's really good. But uh, Paul McCann would have just... Been wonderful when well, he his brother looks like Mark, a... he, he couldn't have because his brother Mark was getting the job. Do you think that the wrong the wrong person? Well, I mean, they look similar, obviously. Obviously, they look similar, <laughs> but like, I, th- I think it's fair to say that Paul McGann is is the the better actor of the the McGann brothers. Do you think? Um, the uh-huh. upper hand with Joe McGann. 
Yeah. And Fun. plus, Paul McGann <laughs> is a brilliant is a brilliant Doctor Who as well. And he's only in one thing, two things. Yeah, I always fancied watching that one and Chris Faggleson, but because I like those guys, but I never, never ever watched. Chris Faggleson's good as well. Well, Paul McGann, I thought was class as Doctor Who. But anyway, hey, I'm supposed to be asking what's questions. Quiz? That's a second quiz. Paul McGann was originally <laughs> cast in which TV show, but replaced by Sean Bean after breaking his leg playing football. Was it Sharp? It was Sharp. Wow. I didn't know that. There Nobody else could have been shot. Not technically a TV show because they were apparently on reading TV movies, 12 TV movies, and uh, then they're they moved in there. I love them. Are they? I haven't seen also, them. All I know Shop's is that mate. there's a lot of bastards. You haven't seen any of them? Yeah, bastards. Nah. But he's made in it one of the guys. I think he's the guy who plays the music. Um, is... Well, is that the music, is it? <laughs> It sounded more like a spaghetti western, didn't it? Um, <laughs> it sounded more like Batman. <laughs> anyway, the point I'm trying to make is uh-huh. one of shop merry band of whatever the fuck it is. I don't even know what it is. Spanish Inquisition or something? Spanish Civil War? <laughs> um, one French of the, Legion is? One of the troop mm-hmm. is the Ponce, perfume Ponce man from the pub. All right, there you go. What a connection! What a connection! Yeah, so he he broke his leg anyway. He got it right, and apparently there was some insurance claim that was the highest insurance claim in British oh, really? TV history. Yes, I don't have the uh, amount of money, but it was in the millions. You can you, you can be sure of that. You can be sure of it. <laughs> you can be sure of it. <laughs> Handmade films made a film in 1982, which has the same name as one of the famous lines in the film With Mill and I. But which line? It's a one-word line. I don't it's know. Scrubbers. It's Scrubbers. 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 It's Scrubbers, yes. Yes, indeed. Who paid £8,000 for Eye's jacket, his leather jacket, at auction? Now, this is a, a 90s... TV presenter. I was going to say, is it Chris you... Evans? It's Chris Evans. Is it? I was just going to say it's that. It's Chris Evans. I don't know why I thought of that, but yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. well, there you go. Doing quite well at this, aren't you? Apparently, he wore for a week without taking it off. What a dick. <laughs> what did George Harrison do in order to finance the life of Brian? Uh, sell off his 1962 Beatles suit. <laughs> It was a little more drastic than that. He had to remortgage his house. Oh, did he? Loads of this, mm. The handmade films is worth a deep dive into because there's loads of mad stuff that went on for it. Well, yes. Yes, I know, with the, a certain person. Lost more money which... than remortgaging his house, put it that way. <laughs> but, the, I mean, some of the films that they've made, With Mill and I, Life of Brian, Long Good Friday, unbel- some of the best well, British films a, ever a, made. Re- Vitalized British cinema, didn't it? Of course it did. Of course it did. So I mean, you, you know, if you're looking at right, fair enough. <laughs> Tell your mom to stop ringing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I forgot what I was talking about there. Anyway, who in handmade films tried to interfere and change stuff? 
and said that the film wasn't funny and the actors couldn't act in the film that we've just watched. Who from Handmade Films said that? Yes. I only, I don't, I don't know who else is in it. Dennis O'Dell? No. He's got Dennis O'Brien. Dennis O'Brien, that's it. Yes, that's oh, the Dennis man. O'Dell. But yeah, I'm, I think you knew who you meant. Yeah, I did I didn't mean to be smirched Dennis O'Dell there. <laughs> I don't know who Dennis O'Dell is. He's the guy he, who said, he the, sounds like a wonderful man. He was the film producer for the Beatles and the, for Let It Be and stuff like that. Obviously. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. <laughs> who did George Harrison sue in ninety six for fraud and negligence and won eleven point six million? That same man. Dear man, yes. <laughs> Dennis That's O'Brien. True. Dennis O'Brien. Dennis O'Brien. Hey, he's, he's ripping him off, wasn't he? Ripping him off, yes. Fraud and negligence. That's what Fraud and negligence. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only we could compact fraud and negligence, <laughs> it would be a little bit more appealing, wouldn't it? <laughs> For all concerned, it'd be more. It'd be an easier pill to swallow. <laughs> it certainly was. <laughs> Fair enough. I've been had. <laughs> it was done by Vicky Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> she should be employed, shouldn't she, by all the fraudsters to just wear the negligee. <laughs> and then you'd fall for it, wouldn't you? Straight off. You wouldn't even There'd be no question. Uh-huh. Who partly based his performance in Sleepy Hollow on Richard E. Grant's with Nil? I imagine it's the man-child Johnny Depp. It's the wonderful Johnny Depp, yes. (laughs) There's a bit in Sleepy Hollow where he's got the the blankets pulled up to his face and stuff like that. Okay. I don't know if you can remember that. I've only seen that once, I can't remember. Have you? I went to the picture scene, I thought it was great. Yeah, I think I might have went with... Very reminiscent of like the... Uh, the withnell eye bit where withnell is trying to get into the bed with I with the yeah. shotgun. They <laughs> yeah. think that they, they think that the poacher is trying to get them. Did you? So the yes, that's the end of the quiz. Do you okay, think it was thank shit? you. No, no, I thought it was a good quiz. Thought we meandered, Thanks. we went off piece a little bit, but the essence of the quiz itself, very good. We went off piece. Mm-hmm. But like skiing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, that's, a well, that's a well-known set. Horace. Horace like skiing. the game Horace. <laughs> yeah. Horace goes skiing. Horace goes skiing, yeah. You're right. Well, you know, I'm not going off piste. Okay, well, we've gone off it now. So and, and I never would. I never would. Right. Okay, Brad. Thank you. Thanks for your amazing quiz. Thank yeah. you for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoy the film. Thanks. Hope you enjoy the rambly chat and um we've got a we've got a, a very nice song coming up now away from the oh, shop window a, it's a very nice uh, song and i like the name the shop window as well yeah i like it very uh late 80s early 90s uh indie um jangly nice mm-hmm. and it's yes, called we have. lighthouse and we hope you that enjoy it and we hope you listen to our next episode and all the other ones <laughs> Yeah, and you know, send with some money in that. <laughs> yeah, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Although we, we don't have the functionality for any of that. So no, 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 no. <laughs> probably, probably just forget it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we'll rewind. Forget we ever said it. Right. <laughs> See you later, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.